0: Let's join for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're going to ask you a very, very big thing. We're going to ask that as easy as the words come out of our mouths to sing, may they come out of our lives to live. We sang some pretty powerful things just now throughout the service and will continue to do so. But may they be realities, not just words to nice tunes that we like to sing. May that be part of our challenge now as we look to your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. The verses have been read, verses 35 through 38. The laborers are few, Jesus said. And so the question is, what are we going to do about that? The laborers... Are few. The question that came to my mind was, why are the laborers so few? We're looking at what Jesus was doing, looking at verse 35 and seeing Jesus went, Jesus is going. He's going throughout all the cities and the villages. He's not leaving anyone behind. He's not picking favorites. He's going everywhere that he can, and he's teaching in their synagogues, he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom healing every disease and every affliction. There was nothing that Jesus couldn't handle. And we're looking at that as an example before he begins to say to his disciples some things about a harvest and some things about laborers being very few and what to do about that. Why are the laborers so few? One of the reasons, I believe, is that someone is not going. That's why the laborers are so few, because someone is not going. I didn't say some are not going, because if I said that, then individuals can hide in a crowd and get lost. Someone makes it very personal, very individual, and I trust that's where we're going to be in our hearts today, because the Lord could be speaking to any one of us. Someone is not going. That's one of the reasons why the laborers are so few and why they're still so few and why there's still an unfinished task. And my prayer is that God would put on the heart of even one person, but God's much bigger than that, and so many more, perhaps, to realize that the laborers are few because someone is not going, and that someone may be me. Also, someone is not teaching and proclaiming and pointing to the great physician, as we see here in verse 35, that Jesus was certainly doing this. As he's going around everywhere, teaching and proclaiming the gospel and healing, and we're not doing that and we're not pointing them to him, the one who can heal not just of physical infirmities, but of everything spiritual, everything that's that's very, very important. We all know the Great Commission in Matthew 28 19 and 20, where it starts out by saying, go. We've already noticed that someone is not going. Someone is not obeying that. But he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We'll be reminded of this over and over again. If you look up here, you can see his command Our concern. And then those two verses, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. His command, our awareness. Uh, No, it's our command, and it's his command, and it should be our concern. That's what he's saying there. Why else are the laborers few? Someone is not sharing Jesus' compassion for shepherdless sheep. The harassed and the helpless... Jesus was doing it and modeling it, teaching and preaching and showing compassion. In fact, Jesus' compassion is all over the Gospels. We won't turn to all of those references, but they're all over in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why are the laborers so few? Someone is not praying. Verse 38, there's a direct command to do that, a a, a command to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Why are the laborers so few? Because someone is not going, someone is not teaching and proclaiming, someone is not sharing Jesus' compassion, someone is not praying. And the point is we can't stop now because we're still facing a task unfinished. Quoting from an article here that appeared not too long ago, nearly 90 years ago, A missionary wrote a song meant to galvanize the Western church and draw hundreds of missionaries to China. Last Sunday, 5,128 churches around the world sang this song, facing a task unfinished. They did it with a little modern twist, and the article goes on to tell us about that. But facing a task unfinished, 5,128 churches sang this song last week. We're included in that number, not because we sang it last week, but because we're going to sing it this week. We wanted to save it for this week and for the conference, but we're included in that number. If 5,128, if that were feet, that would almost be a mile. Uh, That's a lot of churches, a lot of people who are joining together in this that I hope is not simply a good intention but will be reality. In 1920, a man by the name of Frank Houghton traveled east with the China Inland Mission. Nearly a decade later, the missions agency issued a call for 200 men and women who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ to minister to the country that was then torn apart by civil war. So a call for 200 missionaries to go to China at a very, very tough time to even be in China, let alone to be a Christian there. Aided by Houghton Song, the ministry got its 200 missionaries. And by 2015, the number of Christians in China grew to somewhere between 67 million and 106 million. I know that's a wide range. Statistics are very hard to come by coming out of China. But between 50 and 100 million people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ during that interval. China Inland Mission later became Overseas Missionary Fellowship and then changed their name as some mission organizations do to simply the initials, now known as OMF International. OMF International celebrated its 150th anniversary this past year. As part of that commemoration, OMF asked Keith and Kristen Getty to update that hymn that was so effective 90 years ago. We know Keith and Kristen Getty. I think most of us will when I say that Keith Getty is the one who wrote In Christ Alone. Um, They write a lot of modern hymns. Sometimes they do it together and sometimes in collaboration with others. Beneath the Cross of Jesus is an arrangement that they do that is unique these days, and Speak, O Lord, is one that we sing here um, fairly often. But Keith and Kristen Getty were asked to update this hymn, make it more modern so that the church today would be able to enjoy it. So again, last Sunday, congregations worldwide sang it in order to draw attention to the imperative need for Christian evangelism worldwide. Worldwide. And as I mentioned so far, 5,128 churches in 100 different countries in 11 different languages, probably 1,130,827 people, if they're estimating, were involved in that, and we're going to join later on today in singing that as we close our service this morning. Keith Getty wrote this, My wife and I always comment that when we sing the hymn, It clears our minds of things that are, by comparison, irrelevant. He said, by reintroducing the song, Christians around the world will get more excited both about music and mission, but also about living the mission of God on our own doorsteps and in our own kitchens as well as around the world. Houghton, the original writer of Facing a Task Unfinished, knew that songs have the ability to unite and move people. He said, in response to great turmoil in China, Houghton turned to writing hymns to encourage those who were witnessing martyrdom around them. Facing a task unfinished provided inspiration to a generation of missionaries when it was first written. And it urges us on still, even as we also live amid persecution and martyrdom, both at home and around the world. There are updated lyrics to Facing a Task Unfinished. A very old song has some old terminology in it as well. But the words are very, very powerful. They're moving, so much so that to do proper justice to the words to that song, I've asked Dramatic Dan to come and read them for us at this point, and we'll sing it as we close the service. So Dan is going to come and share these words. Please listen carefully. And listen, because these are marching orders for us as believers.
1: Facing a task unfinished that drives us to our knees, a need that undiminished rebukes our slothful ease. We who rejoice to know thee renew before thy throne the solemn pledge we owe thee, to go and make thee known. Where other lords beside thee hold their unhindered sway, where forces that defied thee defy thee still today. With none to heed their crying for life and love and light, unnumbered souls are dying and pass into the night. We go to all the world with kingdom hope unfurled. No other name has power to save, but Jesus Christ, the Lord. We bear a torch that flaming fell from the hands of those who gave their lives proclaiming that Jesus died and rose. Ours is the same commission, the same glad message ours, fired by the same ambition. To thee we yield our powers. We go to all the world with kingdom hope unfurled. No other name has power to save but Jesus Christ, our Lord. O Father who sustained them, O Spirit who inspired, Savior whose love constrained them to toil with zeal untired. From cowardice defend us, from lethargy awake. Forth on thine errands send us to labor for thy sake. We go to all the world with kingdom hope unfurled. No other name has power to save but Jesus Christ the Lord. We go to all the world His kingdom hope unfurled. No other name has power to save but Jesus Christ, the Lord.
0: You can see how powerful that is, and you can also see why it is that I want to be sure that when we're singing that and other songs, and we'll be singing it throughout the conference, that it's not just words that are coming out of our mouths, but it's our thoughts given to God turning into action. Because that's what it's about. It's not about us being able to sing the greatest missionary songs, but it's about us being able to sing from our heart what we really mean. Back to Matthew chapter 9. We're looking verse 35. As we're looking down there, we're seeing, again, Jesus going throughout all the cities and villages. He's teaching, he's proclaiming, he's healing. saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed, they're helpless. said to his disciples, "'The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest.'" I'm going to say that there's a key word in those verses. And I'm going to ask if you can tell me what the key word is. When we're looking for a key word, very often it's an action word. What is it that that's all about here? What's the the most important word there other than the name of Jesus, which is always more important than anything else? What is the action that we're called to? What is the key word there? Somebody call it out. Pray. Pray is the key word. That's the chief action that is there. It's not even to be a laborer. That's not what we're called to do. We're not being called here to be laborers. We're called to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers for his harvest field. It's to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. That doesn't excuse any of us from being those laborers, understand. The key here is to pray that the Lord would send out workers, but there's nothing to say that we aren't the answer to our own prayer there, that we are those workers. We're asking God to do something in the hearts of individuals. We're not asking for there to be an emotional appeal and people respond because maybe others are or it's expected of them or they're caught up in a moment, but we're asking people to pray that the Lord himself will be putting his finger on individuals and maybe right here among us during these next several weeks or maybe even this morning. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest field. If we do nothing else, if we have this instilled in our hearts and minds, that we're going to be praying that God will do exactly that in our midst because there is that task that is still unfinished. Let me ask you this question. There are multiple mission boards or missionary agencies working in our world today. Can you name one of them? And as you do, we'll be reminded of those mission agencies, but also at the same time, everybody breathe a prayer for those mission agencies, that the Lord would use them and that he would draw people to come out from among churches like this to join with those mission agencies and mission boards, And going out into that harvest that is white to harvest. Mission board, mission agency. Crossworld, that used to be UFM. A lot of mission agencies go by initials. Sometimes they disguise the fact that there are mission boards too. Uh, Another mission agency. Team. Team, which stands for the Evangelical Alliance Mission. They like to go by initials as well. I heard somebody over here. Pioneers. That's not an acronym. (laughs) If it is, it's unknown to me. No, you're not. Oh, I'm sorry. Bob said SIM. (laughs) And I said, uh, which at one time stood for Sudan Interior Mission. Others. (laughs) Wycliffe. Why did you pick Wycliffe, Janet? I'm part of it. Oh, because you're part of it. Welcome. Nice to have you with us this morning. Others? Disciple makers. I heard A-I-M. A-W-M. Y-M. Um, there are a lot, and a lot with, with uh, initials or acronyms that are there, too. I'm going to introduce some of you for the first time to another one that you can be a part of. You can be a part of this morning. Some of you I've shared this with before. It's something that I think is very, very significant, and I call it the Pew Board. You can join the mission agency known as the Pew Board. Uh, That's also an acronym, but let me give you an idea of what it looks like. That's what it looks like. It looks like individuals who are committed to praying for our missionaries. Part of that prayer should be that the lord would send out laborers or workers into his harvest and there are a lot of other things that we can be praying for our missionaries for and i'd like to share some of them with us as we go through the acronym now of pewboard. the first thing i would suggest that as we're praying for our missionaries that we're praying for their personal lives we're praying for their personal lives what do i mean by that i mean the fact that they're humans janet Here's Exhibit A, Janet Morris. You're human, right? Do you ever get sad? Do you ever have hard times? Do you ever struggle because family members are hurting? Okay, I I think every question I could ask, you would say yes, because you're human. And if you're talking to Janet, if you're talking to other missionaries now and during the conference, find out a little bit about their personal lives. Because that makes up who they are and that affects them in their ministry as well. <clears throat> if you'll turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter one, second Corinthians chapter one verse eight. I consider the apostle Paul to be a great missionary. The Apostle Paul was a very human person. He had troubles, he had struggles, he had trials. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse eight. Here's what he says there. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Can you see how deeply involved he is at this point? He doesn't even think he's going to live through what's happening. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. He thought it was all over. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He knew that there was hope beyond the grave, but he was thinking the grave was next for him. Now imagine being in a situation where you have to go through that thinking that a sentence of death has been placed on you, but it's okay, I've got hope because my hope is beyond this grave. And then he speaks of the Lord and he says, He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Do you notice that when we're talking in terms of the personal lives of missionaries, as the Apostle Paul is speaking here, interwoven with his life is the necessity for the prayers of God's people who are not necessarily on the mission field with him, but simply people like many of us who are here. In Ephesians chapter 6, Verses 21 and 22. Let me read those verses for you. So that you also, and this is the Apostle Paul writing, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. He wants people, he wants people that he's writing this to, the people at Ephesus to know how he is and what he's doing. This is personal. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. Everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. We're praying for missionaries in their personal lives, how they are. We want to find out how they are. That's why we have missionary moments. I've encouraged everybody at the exits to pick one up. Praying for our missionaries, they give us some of these personal items in their lives. So be sure when you get to speak with missionaries, to host them, to visit at their displays. Remember, they're people with real needs and real problems. Everything isn't related to their job. And I say that because it's a calling, I know, and it's a a mission. But everything is not just about their job. Find out what you can pray for them personally. The family concerns that may be there. Our missionaries of the week are Dick and Eckie Lynch. We have something written in our bulletin about them. We have something written about Ecky Lynch. We have that she's doing well. She's fighting cancer, but she's doing pretty well. Friday, we got word that she wasn't doing well. She had just gotten out of six days of the hospital the day before because of an infection. She's got a lot of things that are going on right now, including diabetes and cancer and a lot of other things. We just got word from Lori Need yesterday on a brighter note. Mosani, Mosani, Mosani. That's her Senghalese name. Children in the village are shouting that they see her car coming, and they're shouting her name because that's something that they appreciate. They value her. Lori says that warmed her heart because Alwa, her friend, they yell that same thing to her when she comes in. It's like they're celebrities, and now they're including Lori in that. That's a personal side. That's a warm side of our missionaries. Be, be looking for things to be praying for and thanking the Lord that she's being accepted by the children in the villages there. Let's move on. When we're praying for our missionaries, pray for explicitness or clarity. Colossians 4, 4. In fact, let's turn together to Colossians 4. I want to pick up the context here. Colossians chapter 4. Let's pick it up in verse 2. The Apostle Paul writing this time to the saints who are in Colossae. And this letter would be circulated. And he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Very strong words there. Devote yourselves to prayer. Give yourselves to prayer, he's saying. Being watchful in it. That means being alert. Uh, employ the most punctilious care. That means to be mindful of detail. Prayer is something that is hard work when you take a look at it. Sometimes we think of prayer as being a conversation with my heavenly Father, and it is, but it's hard work. It says continue steadfastly, be devoted to prayer, give yourself fully to that prayer, and to be watchful, alert, mindful of detail, to know what's going on in order to pray. At the same time, pray also for us, us, Paul, those who are involved in, in missions, although he's in jail at this particular point, but pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Pray for explicitness or clarity that our missionaries might be able to make things clear, but we've got to be praying with all the energy that we can. It is not a casual kind of a thing. We're to be watchful and devoted and continuing in prayer. The W, praying for workers. That's where we are in Matthew chapter 9 right now. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Notice that earnestly part. Pray with feeling, with fervor put a lot of energy into this, to send out laborers into his harvest. Because nobody's going to go out into his harvest unless he sends them. If somebody goes out apart from that, they won't be there very long. The NIV says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So workers or laborers. The next thing has to do with boldness. This is from Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19. When the apostle Paul is praying, we've just seen in verse 18 in Ephesians 6, if we're, if we're in that passage, we would see that we're told to pray at all times for all circumstances and all kinds of prayers. Uh, it's all about prayer. And then we come to the next verse, verse 19, and it says, and, and while you're doing all these prayers and all kinds of prayers for all kinds of people, and you're always praying while you're doing all of that, And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So the whole idea is boldly, and he says it again in verse 20, if we were to take the time to go to that passage. So we're praying for boldness for the missionaries. Do you think that missionaries, because they're missionaries, Have a very easy time sharing their faith in Christ. Or do you think they're just like we are? Because for some of us, we struggle. For some of us, it takes all the courage that we can muster with God's help to be able to do that. Missionaries, again, they're people. They have a calling on their lives. They get used to some things over a period of time. But I would dare say that you talk to a missionary even today who's been serving for 40 years. They need boldness. They need something that they don't inherently have. They need God to give them more. And that's what we're praying for when we're praying for our missionaries, for boldness. Something else we're praying for is open doors for our missionaries. A lot of doors are slamming shut all over the world, and some doors are opening. And we're praying for those missionaries, some of them who are going out as tent makers, some of them are going out taking jobs in a culture so that they can get to know people. But the doors need to be open, and that's something that only God can do. We can't do that. Colossians 4, 3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. We're still looking at pew board and looking at now the A. We're to be praying for acceptance. This may seem strange. Acceptance by believers? Acceptance by believers. Romans 15, 13, second part of that verse says we're supposed to be praying that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. My service to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. We're not talking here about pagans. We're talking about the saints. Janet, I don't want to put you on the spot, but since you're right here, close to the front. Do missionaries ever have trouble playing together? They don't. What's that? Okay, (laughs) that's why you're looking for counselors. Again, missionaries are just like the rest of us, except that a lot of missionaries are type A personality, independent, because they're, they're brave enough to leave here and go to another culture. Uh, many missionaries, uh, let me see who else is here that I'm going to offend, many missionaries are very opinionated. They're very strong-willed. They care deeply for their cause or they wouldn't be there. And somebody else is trying to do it a different way. Somebody else is trying to do it the way of the culture They're coming in and bringing a lot of thoughts here and there's a lot of training that goes into this But there's a lot of prayer that is necessary so that the missionaries would be accepted by the Saints by the believers Um, a few years ago in fact, I guess it was a number of years ago now. I was on a mission board and uh, two board members and someone from the mission itself were sent to another country to help to arbitrate a war that was going on between missionaries who came from our country and went to this other country—it was awful. They couldn't even share together in the same chapel service. They saw things totally different, and it ended up that one of the missionaries ended up having to be recalled from that country, and uh, and had to be basically fired. Missionaries are just like we are, and when there's a prayer request, acceptance by believers that's really a big one, that they will get along because if we identify ourselves to the onlooking world as believers or followers of the Lord Jesus by the love we have for one another, we need to be praying that that love is exhibited by missionary to missionary and missionary to those who are in the country that they go to who are believers and working together with two different outlooks on life. Also, as we're thinking in terms of this, a rapid spread of the gospel. Praying for a rapid spread of the gospel, which is exactly what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. The NIV puts it may spread rapidly and be honored as happened among you. So we're praying for a rapid spread of the gospel. There's a verse that even talks about being able to hasten the Lord's return. And some say, well, that has nothing to do with hastening the Lord's return. Um, I take it at face value for what it says. We can hasten the Lord's return, a rapid spread of the gospel. As soon as that last person who is to be saved is saved, then Jesus is coming back again. How's that for incentive to be praying for missionaries and to be going as a missionary and to be serving the Lord? And then the D. The D is deliverance now, this time from the unbelievers in Judea. It's the same verse in Romans chapter 15. It says that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. And it then went on to say, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So they're both sides of the coin here. We're praying for the missionaries as they interact with themselves, but also as they interact with those who are the unbelievers there. And oftentimes what's necessary is to be praying that they would be delivered from the unbelievers because persecution is running rampant here and it was then. Remember the Apostle Paul's job description, or not his job description, but remember the summary of his life, how many times he'd been beaten, how many times he'd been shipwrecked, how many times he had been flogged, put in jail, and all sorts of things for him. I read earlier in another context under personal lives, when the Apostle Paul was saying how difficult things were, despairing even to death, remember these verses. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And then this verse, you also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. We have several missionaries that we can't identify them in print or on the Internet by their names. We've got to go by initials, or sometimes you will see missionaries who will write to us, and instead of an S, there will be a dollar sign for their name so that somebody can't Google that or pick that up on the Internet. We have missionaries who are in very tough places. But you know what? Every one of them are in tough places. They don't have to be in Afghanistan. They don't have to be in the Middle East. They could be in Upper Darby. Sorry, Tony, I happened to look, see where you are. They could be anywhere and we need to pray for their safety. We need to pray for their protection. We need to pray for their deliverance. That's something God has called us to. Pew board summary. We're praying for the personal lives of our missionaries. During the conference, we're going to be praying as we get to know them and asking them about their families. Is there anything we can pray about for your family? Missionaries have a lot of heartaches in their families. But it could be something very mundane as well. We're praying for explicitness or clarity, that the Lord would help them to make it clear, that the Lord would help them even in the changing technology, that they'll be able to understand how to use some of these things so that the message is coming out clearly. Some of them are involved in non-print media that, that the Lord would grant to them the ability to do things that they need to be doing there. And we're praying for workers right out of our text this morning in Matthew 9. Praying for boldness because it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come naturally. Praying for open doors, open doors that only God can open. Sometimes we think we can, but we make things worse and we try to pound a door down. Acceptance by believers. Rapid spread of the gospel. Deliverance from unbelievers. Pewboard. Would you like to be a member of a mission agency? A very, very significant one? Put this acronym, put Pewboard, somewhere where you can see it and be praying. Be praying constantly for our missionaries and do it with earnest prayer hard work the bible actually uses the term wrestling comes right out of the, the the whole wrestling genre wrestling in prayer striving hard in prayer for our missionaries heavenly father we pray for each one of us that you would help us to join the pew board to be prayers to particularly be praying that you, the Lord of the harvest, would send forth laborers into the harvest field. And some of us may be the answers to those prayers. Some of us may have your hand on us and know that you've called us. Help us to do what we see Jesus doing. He was going everywhere, every town, every village, teaching, proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Please draw out from among us and from churches throughout this world those who would be willing to be your ambassadors. Thank you for the challenge of the morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.